frantic parents and growing up. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. I'm thinking of that time when our oldest son was lost. Oh, I remember that time too. I mean, he was supposed to be asleep in his bed. Well, I had put him in his bed for his nap, but, you know, and everything was fine. Went to do other things. Went back to look on him, and he was gone. And we started looking for him. We looked under his bed. We looked, quick look through the house. I had a glance, and I saw the window was open. I thought, oh, no. So then we started thinking, oh, maybe in the yard, maybe down the street. It's getting a little bit more intense. I mean, so this went on for a, a little while, and it seemed like it was a long while, but we ended up going up and down the street, knocking at our neighbor's door, asking, have you seen our boy? And no one's seen him. And we already had a good look around the house, and yeah. he was nowhere to be found. And the tension just rose. I just remember getting very panicky. It was probably 15, 20 minutes. And so we went and searched again in the house, and this time I went into a bedroom once again. But this time, I thought, I will look underneath that bed. Now, we had a low bed. There wasn't much space between the bottom of the bed and the floor. And I lifted up the skirt from the bed, and there he was. <laughs> was in fastest. our room, not in his room. In our room, <laughs> yes. He was fast asleep. And I, at the same time, I felt relief and joy and frustration, like, oh, why did you do this to us, David? He was just being a little boy, I know, but <laughs> I don't know why he decided to sleep under our bed. I think we're talking about probably parents' worst nightmare, not knowing where our child is. But that leads us into our lesson today as we look at the scripture about a time when Jesus was lost. And Luke tells this story in Luke chapter 2, and we can start in verse 40, and it goes to the end of the chapter. Now, we're just reminding the verses right before this that they're in Nazareth. So verse 40 says the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then we have the story. Right. But I, I want to just dwell a minute in that idea of opening with Jesus is a child. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were in Nazareth. And sometimes it's easy to think of Jesus as a baby and then as an adult, but here's this glimpse into those years in between when Jesus is a child. And because I teach children, I really want to think about that, because this seems to me like a time that children can most relate to Jesus. He's a child, like they are a child. The text tells us he was 12 years old, and that's sort of a significant age in a child's life. And then in that particular context, Jewish context, it was when a boy was becoming a man. It's a transitional uh, stage. Our oldest grandson is 12, and we can see that he's making that change from boyhood to adulthood with all the challenges and, and struggles and, yeah, hopes and dreams that that brings. Right. I don't think ancient cultures maybe spent had a time they called adolescence. You were a child and then you were an adult. Right. So this begins with Jesus as a child. He's in Nazareth with his parents. Now, his dad 
is a carpenter, right? That's what we've always learned, that Jesus' dad was a carpenter. Yes, we know that, but evidently we don't know it from Luke, because Luke never mentions that Joseph was a carpenter. But in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 13, in verse 55, you know, Jesus as an adult, what was said is, this not the carpenter's son, which is would be a reference to his father Joseph. And then in Mark's Gospel, in Mark chapter 6, in verse 3, uh, they asked the question, is this not the carpenter? Which we learned there that actually Jesus was a carpenter, that we assumed that because in that culture you became what your father was. So Jesus' father was, he was a, in one way, he worked with his hands. Jesus learned to do hard work because I'm just thinking a carpenter in a time without electricity and a lot of the tools and things we have now would have been a harder job. A very difficult job. This word carpenter actually is an interesting word. It's the word tecton. And we normally think of this and understand this as a carpenter working with wood, but that word actually was used in a much broader sense because it could also refer to someone who worked in hard materials, which could include stone or metal. So, you know, Jesus may have also worked with stone and metal in addition to working with wood. I'd say there's a bit of artistry in being a carpenter, too. Right. Well, it opens in verse 41 in Luke chapter 2 with Jesus' parents. It says they went to Jerusalem every year for the Passover feast, or at least it says they always did. Not every Jewish family made this annual pilgrimage. I mean, some couldn't because of the distance. They were too far away, or they couldn't afford it, but... Jesus' parents were able to, and they did, which shows their devotion to God and wanted to honor God and celebrate Passover with others. So this was a family that they were hardworking. They were able to make these annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem. They were a faithful family, weren't they? They were a godly family, and just reflects why God chose them to be the parents of Jesus. Exactly. So they're making this annual pilgrimage to Passover now. They probably traveled with a group, sort of in a caravan. Normally, when families traveled for great festivals like Passover, which was the greatest festival of the year, it would be a group of them. That would mean there was safety in numbers, and it would also mean they could enjoy the company of one another. It just made it an enjoyable time. And this time, now, it doesn't really say if... Jesus had gone with them before to Jerusalem, but he's definitely with them this time as a 12-year-old boy. As, as a 12-year-old, he is transitioning from boyhood to adulthood, and so they may have specifically wanted him to go with them this time. Now, the Passover also was a very important feast day. It was a day that the Jewish people celebrated annually to remember God's great deliverance from bondage in Egypt. When God passed over and rescued Israel out of slavery and into freedom to become God's people. And that was a great event. And so that was their identity-forming event. And so this Passover celebration was great. Jerusalem swelled in numbers at Passover time because people would come from all over the Roman Empire. Right. So they they attend the Passover festivities, and the time comes to go back to Nazareth. So 
Joseph and Mary head back to with this probably with this caravan again, uh, head back to Nazareth, and then they get a day into their journey, and that's when that parents' worst nightmare. <laughs> that's when they realize Jesus is not with them. Mm. Maybe they thought he was with other other travelers, maybe with friends. He is 12, and in that culture, that's significantly older than a little child. So they've probably given him more freedom, but he's not to be found. And they looked. They had a good look. They couldn't find him in the caravan as they were going back. So Joseph and Mary, they turned back to Jerusalem, thinking, well, he must be in Jerusalem. So they were a day into that journey, so now it's a whole day back to get back to Jerusalem. Can you imagine a whole day and night of thinking about where is our child? And they were probably getting to the panicky stage. But anyway, they come to Jerusalem, and it says in verse 46, after three days, they found him. So it appears like they searched for him three days in Jerusalem, probably retracing their steps, looking among maybe their relatives that were still in Jerusalem. Again, this is a festival time, so there's lots of people, lots of hustle and bustle going on. But they find him in the temple. Right. And he's he's not just hanging out, playing around. He, he's actually with the teachers. He's listening. Some of the illustrations, David, that are in children's books and things, they have him teaching everybody. I, I don't picture that happening. He, he's just listening and learning. But they're impressed by his questions. He is a good learner. Oh, they're very impressed with his questions. And that's how he was learning. He was asking them, not little boy questions, but deeper questions. Right. You know, it it brings to mind, you know, we talk about that leaving Egypt, leaving bondage, and it was at that time that God told the Israelites how to teach their children. You know, and, and it's a passage we use a lot in children's ministry. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, listen, people of Israel, the Lord is our God. He is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Always remember these commands I give you today. And then he goes on. I love the next part. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. Write them down and tie them to your hands as a sign. Tie them on your forehead to remind you. Write them on the doors and gates. I mean, these are practices that Joseph and Mary would have been doing as good Jewish parents. So they were teaching Jesus, and he was learning those things. So they had already, as parents, awakened those things in their child. And here he was, maybe finding a new place to learn, a new group to learn with, and just enjoying those deeper thoughts. You're a mother, Mary, and it says here when they find him, I'm sure that they were, there was a mixture of joy and frustration, relief, and all of those emotions. It says when his parents saw him in verse 48, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. 
Right. Now, as a mother, how? Yeah, I guess you can relate to how. Oh, so much. Like actually, and I'm I'm reading from the International Children's Bible, and it says, "When Jesus' parents saw him, they were amazed." His mother said to him, "Son, why did you do this to us?" <laughs> and that's isn't that what we do as mothers? I mean. Why'd you do this to me? You know, I'm I'm doing everything I can as a mother, and why'd you do this to me? But you know, Jesus is—he loved his mother and his father. He obeyed them, but he's finding a place. He's growing and learning. He's making this move, this shift from being this child. Remember those first verses in verse forty. This section opens up with the little child began to grow. And now we see this progression. And and here he's growing. He's finding more of an adult perspective. Even at 12, he's beginning to see the world in a different way, see God in a different way. Right. So we can see the direction in which he's growing. And then he says to them in verse 49, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Well, this is significant because right here, Jesus understands something about who he is, his identity, and he understands something about what he's all about, his focus or what is going to be his focus in life. And that is significant. He reveals something about his understanding of who he is and his his destiny, what he's all about. And, you know, speaking of destiny, David, I, this is just an aside, but when I read this, I, I'm seeing Jesus lost for three days, and then he's found. It just brings to mind that time many, many years later when he's in Jerusalem, and he is in the tomb. And to, to everyone else, it seemed he was lost. He was gone, but he was found. And in fact, that's... It's funny, isn't it, when he says to Mary Magdalene, when she's looking for him at the tomb, the the angel says, why are you looking here? You know, it's like you're looking in the wrong place, just like Joseph and Mary were having to come to terms with this. People did not understand. Jesus always knew where he was. Well, that's a great analogy. They were reunited, and there was this wonderful uniting together again. He's been found he says this to his, his parents that about his he needs to be in his father's house. And in verse 50, they didn't understand what all that meant. They couldn't quite get this. And so they go back home. But Mary's pondering this in her heart, in her mind. You know, you want to understand your children. You spend a lot of time trying to understand. You don't understand everything. And, and you know, they have to walk on roads that you won't walk on. They They have their own life's journey and you have to pull back somewhat as as a mother and a mother as a mother of sons i can say you have to pull back and let let your sons become men and that's not an easy thing but mary did that again just why god chose mary she was the the one to be the mother of jesus she allowed him to live out this destiny and she still had a responsibility or she understood a responsibility to shape her son and being the man of God that he came to be. But it says that, you know, she treasured all these things in her heart. And as readers of this story, Mary, I guess, models for us as we read about Jesus and about what he says and what he does, 
we should reflect on that ourselves. We should treasure these things and ponder these things and go over these things and what does all of this mean and then come to an understanding or deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he's all about. So they go back to Nazareth, and I think it's significant that he continues to grow. He isn't a man yet. He has not completely grown. And he continues to grow. In verse 52, it says, Jesus continued to learn more and more and to grow physically. People liked him, and he pleased God. So in all aspects, from what he's, the knowledge he's gaining, his social ability, you know, he was learning how to get along with people, and, and he pleased God. He had a spiritual part of him, even at a young age. All of these things were being matured and growing, and he obeyed his parents. And that's important. He was obedient, and he was growing in a whole way, in a healthy way, as each of us do. And one of the things that I get from this, we look at Jesus as a boy, and it says he does grow in these areas you mentioned mentally and spiritually and physically and socially, and he does it in the same way that we do it. I can identify with that, and that makes me appreciate Jesus even more that he made this journey in life from childhood to adulthood in the same way that I make this journey. So he didn't get a shortcut, did he? No, he did not get a shortcut. (laughs) He went through all of these stages, And, and in that way, I think you know, when we learn later on, we'll be learning in his life about how he, he understands temptation. He had to face that and overcome that. As a child, he understood childhood temptations, which are often very different from adult temptations. And so just those temptations of not being a good son, of not obeying his parents, getting out of chores, doing all those things. You know, he understood those temptations, too. And I love that. As a Bible teacher of children, I know children can relate to that. We reflect on this story here, this important story in the life of Jesus. And I think it's, it's wonderful we have this story because only Luke tells us about Jesus' boyhood. But as we reflect on this and try to apply it to us, and if I was teaching an adult class or when a group of adults discussing this, I think a good discussion question would be, you know, what do you think Mary and Joseph and those that were traveling with them would have talked about on their journey to Jerusalem? Just imagine the kind of conversation they would have had as they were anticipating what they were going to be doing and celebrating in Jerusalem. After that discussion goes on for a while, then ask the question, what do you think they would have talked about on their way home from Jerusalem back to Nazareth? That would have been a very different discussion. Mm. The adults that you're with, talk about that and think about that. Use their imagination. I think that would be a good couple of questions to ask. Oh, that would be good. That would be really interesting. I would think, too, in an adult class that you could compare Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, and about the, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, loving God with all your heart and mind and soul, all of those things, and, and how... Jesus, growing up, reflected those very things. He grew in those very ways, heart, mind, body, soul. I think that's amazing. That is amazing. Well, when I'm teaching children, I think, first of all, I guess maybe I should back up and say, as a teacher, I want to 
listen to this. You know, Jesus asked questions. And in fact, when you go back to Deuteronomy 6, after those passages we've already read, in verse 20, that passage goes on to say, In the future, your son will ask you, what do the laws, commands, and rules the Lord our God gave us mean? What does this mean? And then God says, tell them and explain to them. And as a teacher, I need to give my students opportunity to ask questions. It's not just about me talking all the time, but letting them ask questions. And they think of things maybe in a different way than I'm thinking. Children can ask interesting questions. They can ask difficult questions, challenging questions, because they have a different perspective. And that's so good. That's something that we adults need to learn to do as well. We need to learn to ask questions. I think we're very quick to give our opinion or our viewpoint, what we think about something. But the real learning stance is when we can learn to ask questions and listen. So outlining this, David, I would probably look at this as first point, meaning growing child, a growing child. That's verse 40. And then my second point would be the Passover feast. That's verses 41 and 42. I would break it then from 43 to 45 being the missing child. (laughs) And then the fourth point, Jesus at the temple. That would be verses 46 through 50. And then I would, you know, just like I started out with a child, I think I'd finish that off with the last point being growing young man. And that's verses 51 and 52. That's how I do it. No, that sounds great. (laughs) And when I'm teaching children, I've learned a lot from this, from this discussion. And now I'm going to think, okay, so I've studied the Bible. Now I'm going to get to that glitter and glue. Like, what are the activities? What are the learning games and activities, crafts, things like that, that I can do in a Bible class that will help bring meaning to this passage for the children? So I want children in my Bible class to understand Jesus was a child, and I want them to think about what would it be like to be a child in the time of Jesus? So, you know, he didn't just sit around asking questions of the teachers. He, he lived life. He had to do chores at home. He obeyed his parents. He ate food. He played games, all of those things. So I'd want to talk about that. And, and when you think about it, child's play— has not actually changed. <laughs> Children love to play. They do. And, you know, technology has changed. No, Jesus did not do video games and, <laughs> and those kind of things. His chores were not emptying the dishwasher. No. But he had chores. He would have had to maybe haul firewood. He would have had to help his mom work in the garden. He would have had to clean and all of those things. He would have played games. In fact, in archaeology, they find ancient games that children would have played, little figurines, whistles, hoops to roll around, kind of like balls made out of leather, hopscotch. You know, there were all these games. And in the show notes, you can look up on my website on Mission Bible Class, and I've given some links to find out some of those games children played. would be very interesting, yes. Yeah. I think another one, and I know you've done this actually in adult Bible classes, David. And again, look in those at Mission Bible class because there's a link to a 3D visual walk through the temple. 
so the children can kind of get an idea of what it would have been like to be in Jerusalem and walking through the temple. That's a good one. It's a very good one. And so I would check out that link. So that would be great in an adult right. class. Well, I hope you've grown like we have in this study and learned some new things that you can take what you've learned and take those things into your Bible class so that you can share God's Word with children so you can help them be a part of this story. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children.